I just kind of heard some pine needles rustling behind me and I stopped and turned and in this case it was in fact a mountain lion. From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Caroline Ballard. This time, we'll hear about a trail run that took a turn for the worse, and then went viral. Luke Runyon takes it from here. I met Travis Kaufman in 2015. Both of us were part of this friend group of outdoorsy 20-somethings in Fort Collins, Colorado. We'd moved to the state from all over the country and did it for the cliched reasons. Better jobs and proximity to mountains. Travis was no exception. He and his girlfriend Annie live a short walk from the scrubby foothills just outside of town. I went to their house around dinner time. A while back, the two of them adopted an orange tabby named Obi. While we chatted, Obi circled the room, taking little sips out of my water glass and sniffing my microphone. So I had moved to Colorado from Madison, Wisconsin. I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. That's kind of like my first big, big boy job out of college was in Madison. Um, and I just wanted a change of pace. In particular, Horsetooth Mountain open space and its network of trails drew him in. That seemed like a, a really cool place, and it was kind of off of the beaten path a little bit. Um, I know most people wouldn't say that anything on the Front Range is still in a in a metropolitan area, but um, it, it got me far enough out of Denver that I felt like I was kind of experiencing some of the, the natural attributes of Colorado. Colorado's urban corridor, from Pueblo to Fort Collins, butts right up against wild spaces. The Rocky Mountain foothills, where Horsetooth is, are the perfect example of a place where the line between urban and wilderness blurs. It's not clear who the trails are even for, people or wildlife. I trail run for fun in the summer, and Horsetooth is a convenient stop. It's the kind of outdoor experience that's hard to classify. One moment it can feel like a safe space, like a public park. A place just for people to recreate and feel like you're in nature, but not really in nature. And then in an instant it can feel wild again. You're startled by a deer in the middle of a trail, or a thunderstorm forms above you out of nowhere. It was an unseasonably warm February day when Travis decided to go for a run up at Horsetooth. He was off work, and so he drove to a popular trailhead. In a fleece pullover and running shorts, Travis took off. He picked a trail that's brutally steep. I've heard people call it the Stairmaster. And after about an hour, he made it to the top. If you've been up there, it's pretty fantastic. You can see everything in a 360 panorama. Look out and see Fort Collins to the east, and look to the west, and you can see the um, just the mountain ranges kind of lying in succession after that. He took in the view from his perch and then descended a different way. That trail hugs a rocky outcropping and weaves through a thick forest of pine. A few minutes later, something caught his ear. I just kind of heard some pine needles rustling behind me, and I stopped and turned. And it's one of those situations where 
sometimes I turn, sometimes I don't. Maybe seven out of ten times I do. Um, but usually it's a deer or a squirrel or a rabbit. But um, kind of in the back of my mind, I always wonder if it's something dangerous, like a bear or a bobcat or a mountain lion. And in this case, it was, in fact, a mountain lion. And so I remember seeing that and just having my my gut just feel the full impact of the situation. You just convince it that you're not prey for, for the lion. And so I threw my arms up and I started screaming, hoping against hope that it would just veer off, turn around and leave me alone. Unfortunately, it kept running and then uh, it eventually just lunged at me. At that point, I was able to get my arms up kind of in front of my face and, and, and block its initial like lunge with its claws and mouth. So at that point, it just kind of started scratching. Its jaws locked onto my hand and wrist. I was looking around and trying to take in to see if there was a mother at any point because I feel like there's one kind of rule in nature. It's like, don't get between a mother and her, her kids. It got a claw inside my lip and scratched the inside of that. And then just up around my face and neck too. And then its claws kind of dug into my back a little bit. So there's a few puncture wounds back there and then along my legs. So it was just really kind of grappled on around me, almost like in a bear hug fashion a little bit. That's when my, my instinct to fight like really kicked in because I just, I realized it scratched me right by my nose and how close it was to my eye and just thought, if this thing scratches my eye out, I'm in a lot of trouble. And it was also just right around my throat too. I was thinking if it, if it got close to my throat and hit something critical, that'd be pretty troublesome too. So um, at that point, my adrenaline level went through the roof and I was just fighting like crazy. So what I tried to do when I was wrestling with the cat, I tried to throw it off of me, off the trail. The trail was kind of banked downhill to the south, so as I tried to throw it, it still stayed latched and it kind of took me with it. Um, so we ended up sliding down the, the hillside that was mostly just pine needles, so pretty slick and like an uneven footing surface. I think it was about 20-25 feet from the trail that we, we slid, and this is one of those parts that I don't really fully remember. Um, I don't know how we got that far. It just seemed like I tried to throw it and we may have gone a few feet off, but, but yeah, um, looking back, it could ended up being a lot more than that. I, and I could feel just like crazy, um, like, like nerve sensations cause it was kind of biting down like close to the area where there's a bundle of nerves. So there's definitely like some little jolts of electricity shooting up. And then during some of the, the weird freak out thrash moments, it would just start grinding its teeth back and forth. And I could just hear like my, my ligaments and tendons kind of moving around there. I was really just hoping that they weren't snapping because like, well, that would be hard to, to try to fight this thing. One of the, th the thoughts that I was having is like, well, this would be a pretty crappy way to die. <laughs> 
just up on the side of the mountain and uh, just kind of screaming and having like a little this this cat like wrapped around my wrist and then like eventually another cat comes in and takes me out and then getting eaten by a bunch of mountain lions and it's like that wouldn't be an ideal way to go you had uh, that thought in the moment I, I did yeah I, 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 I thought like this would be a, a pretty bad way to go <laughs> because I'm a recent cat owner I know that the back claws are pretty dangerous uh, when it comes down to an attack and I was pretty worried about its claws just sinking into my stomach and just kind of groin area so it was just going crazy uh, so one of the things that I was able to do was use my left leg to pin its back legs down a little bit. I got my right foot onto its neck and then I was able to get some weight onto its windpipe. And that's what eventually suffocated it. At that point, it uh, released my hand. I was able to kind of run back up the hill and I looked back down to see if there was going to be any any chase possibility, but the cat was still, so I started my run out. I was just kind of looking around and just feeling like I was being watched by cats on all sides, because <laughs> I, I really took in my surroundings a little bit more and then realized that the whole west side of the trail was filled with rock overhangs and just kind of prime mountain lion territory. Travis eventually got down to the trailhead with the help of some hikers. At the emergency room, they gave him more than two dozen stitches on his face. He went home to recover. It's worth mentioning here just how rare an attack like this is. According to Colorado Parks and Wildlife, in the last 30 years, there have been 16 attacks in the state and three fatalities from mountain lions. It's even more rare for an adult person to be attacked. You're way more likely to be killed by a bee sting or a snake bite. Since mountain lion attacks are so unusual, the news blew up. But in all those stories, Travis was anonymous. The internet was abuzz with speculation. Who was it? How'd he do it? What's his training? Stories showed up online with stock photos of adult mountain lions below headlines like, Colorado Man Fights Mountain Lion to the Death. The story was already growing larger than life. I first heard about the mountain lion attack in a press release. I'm a reporter here in northern Colorado, so I knew about it the same day it happened. It wasn't until a few days later that I found out who it was. I was at a dinner party with some mutual friends and casually brought up the attack. It was all anyone in Fort Collins wanted to talk about. The mountain lion guy was still anonymous at that point, and my friend's eyes widened when I mentioned the attack. One of them spilled the news. You heard that was Travis, right? That's when I reached out to him to see if he'd be willing to do an interview and break his silence. It's weird being considered a celebrity for just surviving, which is kind of, yeah, kind of a weird way to, to achieve a certain degree of notoriety. But I don't know, for the most part, I kind of tend to, to lie under the radar a little bit. But um, I don't know, going forward, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. 
Travis isn't an internet guy. No Facebook or Instagram or really any online presence. Before all this, if you Googled his name, all you'd get is stories about some boxer with the same name. Two days after our interview, at the suggestion of the state's Parks and Wildlife Department, he held a press conference. And in front of a room of more than 25 reporters, he answered dozens of questions. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, just a show of hands, uh, who all is disappointed that I'm not, in fact, Chuck Norris? <laughs> yeah, I know. A pretty big letdown for everybody who thought I was a, a big, beefy guy. So um, I guess I'd just like to start off by thanking some of the people that helped me. On the way down. The press conference so, became content, which became articles, which became YouTube parodies, and then more YouTube parodies. Someone made a fake Twitter account for him. In one Facebook post, there's a picture from the press conference where Travis's girlfriend is looking at him and kind of biting her lip. Someone made a meme out of it. Get someone who looks at you the way this woman looks at the guy who killed a mountain lion. The story shattered into pieces, refracted into a million tiny shards, each reader able to filter it through their own notions about wild places, running, white men, guys with beards, mountain lions, nature, you name it. Two weeks after that, a final report came out. Wildlife officials firmed up some data points, reconfirming the animal's weight and age, But one word stood out. They called the young mountain lion a kitten. Again, the internet lit up. Comments ranged from, oh yeah, a real hero, a guy who kills a kitten, to someone should arrest this guy for animal cruelty, to you deserved it for running outside in the first place. It's like playing a game of telephone, but at the end, someone just calls you a jerk. When I talked to him, about a week after the attack, Travis joked that he hoped this wasn't the most interesting thing that would happen to him his whole life, that this mountain lion attack wouldn't be the moment he peaked. One of the things that I've kind of thought about is that for the most part, like during the whole process, I didn't really make that many decisions. It was a lot of just kind of like instinct. And so there weren't a lot of decisions to second guess or like a lot of um, uh, critical moments that I had to like rethink or, or go through and reprocess. So I don't know, for the, for the most part, I don't feel any residual trauma from it. Travis is currently training for a 50-kilometer trail race this summer. Now, when he goes out for a run in the foothills, he's confident but still cautious. He checks over his shoulder a bit more than he used to. A slight noise, a shaking tree limb, a moving shadow. It is a pretty wild place, after all. I I will definitely go running back a bit horse, too. Uh, I feel like just kind of the way that I I was brought up, um, yeah, anytime that something something bad would happen to my brother and I, my dad would always just kind of really get us back out there as quick as possible so we wouldn't, we wouldn't be too scared to, to, to do it ever again in the future. You know, bike crashes or broken arms from rollerblades. It's just, all right, well, that happened. So you learn from it, get back out there, and don't, don't let fear rule your life too much.
Our storyteller was Travis Kaufman. Luke Runyon brought us his story. To see photos of Travis and of the Horsetooth Mountain open space where the attack happened, visit our website at humannaturepodcast.org. While you're there, you can make sure human nature stories keep coming to you with a donation. Everyone who gives gets a sticker. And if you can give $25 or more, you'll get a t-shirt. I'm Caroline Ballard. This episode was edited by me. Our associate producer is Greg Ronco. Thanks also to Destiny Lamas. Anna Rader is our digital producer. Aaron Jones is our senior producer. And our executive producer is Micah Schweitzer. Our theme song is by Caught a Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media. It's human nature.